veteran touring and studio drummer Scott Meter stops by the world-famous Doc Hawkham building today to visit with the boys on this episode. Listen in as we talk shop about everything from session work, touring and radio stations, to HOA Christmas light patrols. Heck, they even let me sit in for the roundtable discussion. So, without further ado, here's Cold Mountain Cal. And broadcasting once again from high top of the palatial Doc Hawkham building studios in beautiful downtown Cold Mountain. This is Cold Mountain Cal along with my buddy Chris, Christopher Cheeto Cheatham. And the good doctor, turning those <laughs> dials and making smiles, Mr. Steve Thomason. With another stellar episode of The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. Chris, we're barely hanging on here at this building, kind of like the Braves are right now. Yep, I'm just tickled that they still allow me to visit here from time to time and be able to visit the top of the Doc Hawkins building along with you two gentlemen. Y'all are much more distinguished and know a heck of a lot more people than I do, so I just tag along and... Uh, and jump on top. Rumor is we're going to have to vacate the premises, but we'll see how that it's goes. It's coming. It's coming. The man's coming. Well, that's another day. It is. I haven't seen bulldozers yet. Well, They're going to be bulldozing this place before we know it. It'll be like a thief in the night. Well, we better hurry up and get on with the uh, this episode of the show then. That's right. <laughs> of the crossing. Because <laughs> who knows? This could be the last. This could be the last one. So normally Steve sits in there in the control room, but we've got him in here uh, roundtable discussion tonight because he's brought in one of his Good friends, Mr. Scott Meter. Scott Meter. Are you the, like, the mayor the of Crabapple or Milton? <laughs> or I know you're over there. He lives over in Roswell. Yeah, we've had mayors I'm in here. We've had uh, commissioners lots that we've de- interviewed. Lots of delegates. Yeah, yeah. That's but welcome right. to the show, sir. Hey, thank you guys for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it is. Tell so, us about yourself, Scott. Oh, Where man. you hail from? I hail from originally Norfolk, Virginia, but uh, grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Oh. And uh, home what of got the you down here? Home what of the you, pirates. Home of the pirates. What got you down here from Virginia? Uh, my dad was in radio and TV, and uh, a little station called Ninety Six Rock. Mm-hmm. He was a, the general manager there that's for. Right. Uh, let's, do, let's pause. Let's let's okay. don't bypass that. That's uh that's that's, that's a huge. segment in itself. Everybody I knew in high school had the Ninety Six Rock sticker on the bumper. Or they turn the it day. upside down. And you turn it upside down. That's right. Got the turtles thing <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But his dad was the general manager of Ninety Six Rock during its heyday. For how many years was he there? Uh, I'd say late seventies through all the way through the eighties, and uh, probably early nineties he was gone. But that's radio. Wow. But he survived a long time. Usually yeah, that's, that's, that's unheard, unheard of, of right? in today's. Yeah. And so no issues getting concert tickets. No issues getting <laughs> concert tickets, and no issues getting warm up slots for yeah. big yeah. big was, name shows. He was always in bands, <laughs> so his dad could always get him an opening act slot for major rock shows. So the, Scott is a is a um, pretty well known drummer. Um, this what you know. We've got him in here. He's local native now. We'll call him and a, and a drummer. Heck of a of a portfolio of albums that you've played. Well, thank on. you, buddy. I appreciate I, it. Yeah, I've read through them. We're going to get to that in, in a little bit too. Um, but would you say that your dad's involvement with music and radio stations is that what kind of got you involved in music? Is that what put the fire on you? Definitely helped. And if you talk to my mom, she will tell you that. Uh, because of her being a dancer all those years growing up, that uh, her rhythm and dad's knowledge of music, pretty much the two of those combined, got me into music. And my brother as well. My brother's a great bass player. He so, is, yeah, he's played with us before yeah, quite a bit. So, but my mom will tell you that because she's a dancer, that's where I, I got my rhythm. So, Now, were your parents musicians at all? Uh, my dad was a sax player uh, through high school. Like We had rock bands growing up, but he had a big band. So in New, Maplewood, New Jersey, he had his Dick Meter Orchestra, seventeen-piece band. You know they'd make enough wow. to you know, go have you know breakfast at a Waffle House afterwards <laughs> right. if they had them up there. But uh, how do you get that? Man? We have trouble getting four people I know, together man. to practice. It's crazy. You got seventeen that you were growing on. up at a Waffle yeah. House. Yeah, <laughs> right. I've got this uh, this photo album at home with his old you know all the memories from that band. It's like they're playing high society dances and it's so cool. You know. So y'all were spinning like the Glenn Miller vinyl and stuff at the house, I guess, on the Victrola. Yeah. One one year for Christmas, <laughs> or Victor, or I found some old acetates that aren't even pressed. I mean, they're just like test pressings, basically, from the 40s, and I had them put on CD. And he hadn't heard this stuff in, you know, 50 years. Recordings you know? of his band? Yes. Wow. And I put them on uh, acetate, or they were on acetates, put them on CD, and just like put them on the, on Christmas morning one, just put them on the, on the uh, 
CD player. Have you still got the recording? <laughs> still got them. Well, maybe uh, before this episode comes out, you can email that. And, yeah, we know uh, a guy. Yeah, we can. I may even have them on my phone. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's tr- let's see if the magic of editing works. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of it. All right, here we go. We're back. That was awesome. Yeah, See? enjoyed it. <laughs> Technology at its finest. So my dad was so funny. A little quick little story. They were playing one of these gigs with Dick Mute Orchestra, and um, I think we were having an Easter dinner or Thanksgiving one. He said, "Hey, funny story about my old band. You know, uh, we did a gig, and the next morning, I, I, you know, I'm still living at home. Go out and get the paper. It says Jersey Yacht Club burned to the ground." <laughs> And we had just played there the night before. Wow. <laughs> and you so, said, yeah, it did. Burned it down, brother. You're dang right, it did. <laughs> Burning them all. And the, he says, the first thing I thought of, he goes, you know those pants back in the 40s, they had those uh, old waffle iron pants pressers. Oh, yeah. you, you plug them in. <laughs> you plug them in and run your down the hem, get a nice crease. Oh, crease. Oh, yeah. Polly he said, I, <laughs> after, he said, after reading that paper... He couldn't remember if he might have left it on. (laughs) He never knew if he burned the place down. The check cleared, though. That's all these. That's right. (laughs) They all ate breakfast. That's right. So you grew up musically. Said you played in the band for yeah, Stone Mountain High School band. Now, did you start with the drums, or were you checking in the other stuff before you got? Start with drums. And always just wanted to play drums. Yeah, never a desire to play anything. I mean, I I took from a guy in the uh, later on when I got you know high school and college. I took from Jack Bell and Bill Wilder, who are both symphony Atlanta Symphony percussionists, Mm -hmm. and um, got into more jazz drumming, and then xylophone and some of the more orchestral percussion stuff. But never any piano. I mean, I had to take. You know, sight reading and a little piano training in college, but that's about it. Any heroes? Phil Collins up. is Phil, Phil Collins. Collins. I mean, I wanted to be in one Genesis. of the most underrated mm. drummers out there. You know, it's he's not going to dazzle you with licks. It's what he plays mm-hmm. for the song, and it's just the feel for days. Oh, just yeah, incredible. just incredible stuff. Uh, I was th- that was my fantasy band. That was who I wanted to be a part of. Was Genesis growing up and. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they had another drummer, Chester Thompson, who's incredible, mm-hmm. but I was like, Chester, move on. I'm, <laughs> move I'm on the over. guy. Yeah, I'm the guy. So, of course, it never happened. <laughs> I always wanted to be in the uh, TCB band Elvis's. I thought Ronnie Tutt was just a monster drummer that Elvis had back in the day. That's awesome. And, and then Larry London. Larry, after yeah. that, right? Was it Larry London? Larry London? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. He had yeah. DOG percussion up in Nashville, didn't he? Wasn't yeah. It, wasn't that his drum shop in Nashville? Right. Larry London. Walked in there, met him one day. He just happened to be in there. He toured with, he was with Journey for a while. What? He did. Oh, a, that's right. That's and, right. That's yeah. when Randy Jackson from American Idol was out. That's and right. Randy Jackson, Larry London, with the three other guys from Journey. That was a different setup, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After, went from group. Elvis to Journey. <laughs> okay, dog. I got you right here. But we're going to go back to this '96 rock stuff. All right. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, how old were you when you uh, when y'all when he started with '96 rock? Uh, think, probably. And that's when y'all moved here, right? For that job. Well, before before that job, he was with Channel Thirty Six. Yeah. He was always in sales, so he's okay. you know either salesman or sales manager with Channel Thirty Six. Then he moved to Channel Eleven, mm-hmm. and then he got the Nine Six Rock job. Probably seventy nine. I was probably seventeen, eighteen years old. Oh my gosh! So, God, what a gig! Oh, it was I so mean, much fun to be the kid. <laughs> you yeah. Imagine I mean, one year. Uh, another funny story. One year with Nine Six, he decided April first, April Fool's Day. He decided he's going to play a little trick on Atlanta radio. and uh, I remember that. <laughs> Do you remember? I think so. Go ahead and tell it, and I'll tell you. If they announced that morning that they were changing their format to yes. accordion polka music. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Your dad's idea. Yes. <laughs> did Willard make that announcement? Was Willard? Willard yes. That's, yes, that's right. Willard did make the announcement, and he was... He, 
there was snow everywhere in the parking lot, and the people were out there doing donuts, and the, and the <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they were. Well, not manufacturing those '96 rock tags again. You can buy them off his website. He's got a deal. That's unbelievable. He's those things yeah. made. I'm look, waiting for '96 well, rock to come by. They look perfect. They look just like yeah. him. And the he sells ones. out every shipment. He he only orders a few yeah. at a time, but he Sold sells them. them. Yeah, that's a couple that's of the, the night uh, graveyard shift duck jocks planted some pot seeds in the little plant <laughs> <laughs> in the reception area just to see if they'd come up. They came up. Oh yeah, <laughs> Scott. You know the story you're going to have to tell. You know the one you're gonna have to tell. Is this there a G-rated show or? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You know, he edits it down. The, the band name. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. So we'll set the table for this too. Your dad was that '96 rock. So were you in college at the time? Uh, I was at DeKalb College. Yeah, DeKalb College, and you were in a band. It's called P. Uh, what's it called now? Um, Perimeter College. Perimeter, Perimeter College. Yes. Yeah. And and you had a band. Had a band. And the band was called. Boethius. Boethius. But what? What? Boethius? <laughs> Not Bocephus, Chris. It's Bo- Boethius. 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 Right. So it was all one word. It all one word. So and you see the problem already. Boethius. Nobody can say it, pronounce it, spell it, whatever. Uh, yeah. So go ahead, Scott. Boethius. So I don't know if you guys remember Billy Thorpe. Yeah. He had Children one of the hit. Corn. Children of the Sun. Children of the Sun, that's right. Children, Children of the Corn. That's a different movie. That's a different movie you stayed up and watched last night. Right. No, but Children of the Corn is actually in Scott's portfolio here of music I was reading. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, back to your story. That's I'm good, sorry. man. So Billy Thorpe coming to town. Billy Thorpe coming to town. It's a 96 Rock show. It? Yeah. My dad calls me. Hey. I got you guys a warm-up slot for Billy Thorpe at the Fox, but you're not going as Boethius. <laughs> so we had rehearsal that night. I want a new band name tonight when you get home. Because we're printing the posters tomorrow. <laughs> right. We got to hurry up. We got to rent posters, run an ads on the radio. The whole thing need a new name. So we had rehearsal that night. Right after rehearsal, all right, let's guys, let's crunch, let's have a band name. We got to think of a new name. I'm sure that didn't take long either. Right. Oh, gosh. I know oh, how gosh. that. I mean, some yeah. of the some of the names that were floating around, right. like guys, what about music? I mean, think about it. <laughs> think it's about what, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's what we do. They uh, come together as easy right. as Molly Crew, like in, so, the, in the movie. Right, right. Nothing's nothing's come after an hour where just nothing's happening. So our sound guy, Chuck Fadonzak. <laughs> Like a Georgia Tech right. student. Who had no problem with right. Boethius. He's a Georgia, Georgia <laughs> Tech student who probably may not have been a good sound guy, but could probably take the soundboard apart and put exactly. it back together and yeah, solder he was it. That guy, yeah, that you know, guy. A math guy at Georgia Tech. Uh-huh. He goes, guys, I'm going to let you guys have a, a name that I was going to say for my band one day. If I ever had a band. And we're all like, what is it? What is it? Fractal Curve. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And at 11.30 at night, you're ready for anything. Anything. Right? Yes. So Fox. We loved it at the time. Like, oh, we thought it was a good idea at the time. Fractal curve. Right. <laughs> right. Man, that's incredible. <laughs> right? Should have thought of that long ago. Right. We're driving home, me and my brother. Fractal curve, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> Dad's going to kill us. 50s Ranch, right? Brick. Remember those? 50s mm-hmm. Ranch with the carport. Mm-hmm. Louvered glass door. Was it blue frosted? Light. Was it frosted? Frosted. frosted. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. Yeah. Blue light from the TV on, showing through the glass. Waiting. Right. Dad's oh, up. Oh, no. Dad's still up. Open the door. My brother, who's two years older than me, is hanging back and letting me go through the door first. <laughs> Sacrificial lamb. Good old Richard. Baby. Good old Richard. Gets up. My dad gets up. <laughs> white t-shirt, skivvies, and band line socks. Yep. Cuts off Johnny Carson. Walks over to me, straighten out. What's the name of the band? And with all the confidence in the world, Fractal Curve shoots me a bird and goes to bed. <laughs> but you, you went with it. it. But I went with you it. You went hey, with it. You, well, you he, owned it. Yeah, he, he went For, with it. There was a, it, was, it was a short-lived, because the next morning, I took my, I was going to Perimeter College, had my first class called dad right after jan answers the phone a little sweet little jan receptionist good morning nice it's rock hey janet scott hey scott how you doing hey is dad there yeah just a minute you know that sound that a phone makes 
the old phones when you just when you grab it, grab yeah. it, and just <laughs> hear the bell ring. The first thing he said, "What the hell is a fractal curve?" <laughs> <laughs> no Google back then. Twelfth night before lunch. That's the name of the band. Twelfth night. So how the gig go? <laughs> it was awesome. Got to play the fox. Got to play the fox. Billy Thorpe with special Billy guests. Thorpe. Did you get to meet Had Billy Leland Thorpe? Had Leland Sklar on bass. What? Yep. From Phil Collins' band. Right. With Co- the, the guy with the real long yeah. hair, long beard. That's he had everybody. the same beard and long hair then in 79. <laughs> wow. Unreal. Who else did you meet back in the 96 Rock days? Oh, Gino Vanelli, Rod Stewart. Uh, oh, you name it. I mean, I've just got tons were, of pictures. You were the dude everything. everybody wanted to be friends with. It was get fun. Tickets it was a lot of fun. And- oh, one more story about Dad. Sure. So the Arbitron ratings, it's, that's the big service that would when the ratings came out every quarter still is i guess is yeah it? I, I don't know how they, i don't know how they do it anymore right. but uh the production <laughs> manager and uh the uh top guys at the station would always come in if they had good ratings they'd have a little little sip of scotch or whatever right. and dad had a bottle that's in his what desk. we do whenever we get our <laughs> downloads <laughs> and um uh this one particular a T- couple times, Dad noticed that, you know, the bottle seems like it's getting a little low. We, we haven't had any ratings come out. So he figured out it was the cleaning crew. <laughs> Found his bottle. So he emptied that bottle into another bottle and hit it and relieved himself in the original bottle. Nice. Oh, I've never heard this. <laughs> How have I never heard this story? <laughs> and darned if that thing didn't get a little lower and he never oh, had another boy. problem with it. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, well, All that, right, we're well, moving on. <laughs> we're going to take a 10-100 and we're going to go to break. we got a word from a couple of our sponsors here on the crossing. So y'all hang tight. We'll be back with segment two of Scott Meter. It only gets better from here, folks. Y'all stay tuned. You listen to the crossing where the music meets the memories. Buell Martin Barbershop is your one-stop barber for all your men's grooming needs. Stop in for that Buell special. You'll get a straight razor shave and a haircut topped off with your choice of either witch hazel or vitalis. And for all you pickers out there, Buell will stock some strings and picks for them guitars and banjos. That's Bill Martin Barbershop on Highway 9 in South Coal Mountain. If you see Piedmont, you done gone too far. Come join us for the 31st Oak Grove Opry, November 1st through 3rd at Oak Grove Baptist Church in North Forsyth. Showtime's Friday and Saturday at 7 p.m. and Sunday at 6. All proceeds benefit the Oak Grove Church Camp. For more info, check us out on Facebook and get all the details. We'll see you there. Looking for affordable propane prices and the best service? No worries. Call Mills Fuel Service today for fast, courteous service that will have your tank filled and ready for the cooler temperatures. Mills Fuel Service has dedicated over 50 years of service to North Georgia, providing clean, efficient propane at affordable prices. Tank rentals are available. Three locations to serve you in Dawsonville coming into Monica. Call them today, 706-265-3394. Mills Fuel Service for all your LP gas services. And we are back, roundtable discussion here with our brother Scott Meter. Thank you again, sir, for making the drive down up here to hang out with us in our uh, illustrious studio that we have. Um, he followed the uh, glow from the billboard across the street. As many do. As many do. <laughs> it's, the talk, it's, talk, uh, it's the talk of Coal Mountain. <laughs> Who would have ever thought there'd be a big neon... LED billboards. You Smack know what? Dab. Next right. podcast, I'm getting somebody in here to talk about that. Whoever it is who paid to have that installed, we're going to talk about it and we're going to figure some stuff I out. I did see an Oak Grove Opry ad on there. You dang the right. There's a square. Though. There's one at the square in town. Or oh, the, nice. At the Dairy Queen. So don't pack it out. Anyway, it's while he uh, So how long have you two that? gentlemen known each other? Steve, right, so you, you, you've known Scott for a while. I have, yeah. I, I played music from the time I was 14 years old or so and, and toured as a guitar player, keyboard player for years and years. And start, then started doing video production. Did a couple of videos for North Point Community Church when it was just kind of starting up. And really when they moved into their their current main location down in Alpharetta, that's when I started uh, doing videos there and ended up playing guitar there for 17, 18 years or so. Um, and I think the first time I ever played there was like a Sunday afternoon thing or whatever. And I'd always heard of Scott Meter, the band I toured with before. 
I remember the drummer was just obsessed with Scott Meter, and I, I always thought it was M-E-T-E-R, which would be the perfect name for a drummer <laughs> playing on meter, you know, but uh, but found out it was M-E-E-D-E. I've had that spelling on some chats, on checks, by the way. I'm yeah. sure you have. Yeah. M-E-E-D-E-R is the correct spelling, <laughs> in case you want to Google him. Um, so, and and we walked in, and I'm like, you know, I'm meeting the band, and like, hey, I'm Scott, Scott Meter. I'm like, no way. So I was like nervous. I'm getting to play guitar on stage in front of Scott the legend meter, you know. I get that and, uh, all the time. Yeah, I know, it's right? Crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Playing right. in front of me. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I mean, yeah. But uh, so anyway, I just knew the bands that he'd played with before and everything, and but not just an incredible drummer. And the people, and he still plays at North Point, Brownsbridge, uh, a lot of the campuses there. So if you've been to Brownsbridge Church, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, You've probably seen Scott play there. I'm before. the bald guy. He's the bald. He's one of <laughs> one of us bald guys. That's right. And just it's like I've I've used this term with a couple of our friend musicians. It's kind of when you watch what he does there at the church, it's like watching a Ferrari go about 15 miles an hour. There's just so much more under the hood, you know. And uh, but wow, just just nice. been an incredible friend, and not only just a great musician, but a great friend, a great guy. His wife uh, Mary Beth is great. Their son. Matt, we can get into that, a little bit of the family stuff later, but Matt was a baseball player, graduated a couple years ago from Mercer down in Macon, mm-hmm. shortstop, great kid. So we just kind of wanted to be like Scott and Mary Beth and raise our kid like they raised theirs. So he's just been a great friend for a long time. So that's kind of our history. We've known each other a couple of decades now since I guess about 98 or so. Wow, Something yeah, like that. I guess 20, so. 21 wow. years. Time flies, right? You've heard this guy play guitar though, right? Mm-hmm. Steve? I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just the knob turner just, here, you man. Need Come to, on, you need to toot your own horn a little bit here. I'm getting. <laughs> I'm, I'm the I'm engineer the at the dog. I'm, I'm sorry. I know. Right? I'm, the, <laughs> I'm just Let me the engineer move my chair the dog, back the dog, a little bit. The dog, <laughs> building here. That's right. But before no, all of that, but, yeah. So before all of that, so one of the one of the great video moments that we've had when we've got together with some of the the musicians around North Point's watching a, a VHS tape of the win. On Star Search, Ed Ed McMahon. It was kind of the predecessor for American Idol back in the day. It was the Ed McMahon yes. show, Star Search, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Tom Gross and the Varsity was the band you played for. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Tom Gross, who's a Atlanta, just a mainstay, incredible vocalist, keyboard player, been around here. I mean, decades. Yeah, but I used to, oh. And he played uh, a place called Timothy Johns. Timothy Johns. Timothy I saw Jones, y'all yep. down there. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And. I knew that I saw was him. back in the time when you could go anywhere in Atlanta and see incredible talent any night of the week. Uh, I mean, the drinking age was was a little lower then, so you had a lot more built-in crowd. But um, you could just—I mean, the bands were incredible back then. And we played just about every night of the week. And I know Steve and you guys played, you know, the same thing up up here in Helen and wherever. You know, it was just mm-hmm. a fun time back in the '80s and '90s, growing, you know, playing. We talked about that about the hunger to see yeah, live was, music. And you that, did it for the music and the passion. That you don't of it. have it now, right? No, people, just, people just don't have the desire to get out and see a live right. band as much as they used to. Right. I played it. I played at Paul's on the River up in Helen for three nights a week, three or four nights a week for five years in the mid '90s, and it would that place would pack out every night. Right. It was crazy. The band was great, and it was just it's a so those are heyday for live music. Yeah, our that sound was the was, end of it. Yeah, yeah. and our, our our sound was more like a. Uh, kind of pop, jazzy, like funk a little bit, kind of hollow notes meets mm-hmm. I don't yep. know. But um, you should Google Google the remember the Hawks commercial Atlanta Hawks back in like in the day of Dominique and all that. Remember that uh, nothing can stop us. We're Atlanta's Air Force, right? Yeah. And the, and it was Tom Gross and the Varsity playing on the court, and like you got Dominique and all those guys doing. Yeah, I'm set up right underneath the basketball goal, and they're slamming right over. Oh, yeah, you can see Spud Dominique with the, with his, uh, with the suspenders <laughs> on playing his Simmons drums out there, and, and the, all the Hawks are slamming around. Him it was a lot of fun. You know, so how did you get hooked up with that guy? Um, just. They were looking for a drummer, and uh, I just kind of my, my name popped up. And back then, we, he was with the a guy named running together. right, yeah. Just yeah, people know it, yeah. And like what Steve mentioned about Star Search, we that was probably the mid '80s. You know, we played around town for a few years, and then um, we auditioned for Star Search. They had their local auditions here, and passed those, and got made the show, and flew out there, and we won a couple times. And one of the one of the particular shows, you know, we had a tie. Is this been one you're talking about? <laughs> yes. <laughs> We all knew the move. I, I can't do the visual, you know, but <laughs> right, right. But we all knew it as soon as they announced, <clears throat> as soon as they announced the winner, Tom Gross in the varsity. The whole band's on stage, and Scott's on the, on on the edge of the, the the group of the band. Yeah, they had to bring us out because it, it was a tie. 
Yeah. So, so they the, brought him out. Yeah. The audience gets to decide who wins. I know. Yeah. yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So as was, soon as they as soon as they announce it, Tom grows in the varsity, and it what was it? It was something it was, like yes, like the fist pump, <laughs> clap, clap, the slow clap, thumbs, thumbs up, up, see ya, <laughs> wave, see ya. <laughs> Fist pump, yes. But Ed McMahon never got our name right. That was three or four times on the show. He just, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, from Atlanta, Tom Grouse and the varsity. (laughs) Cut. Tom Scott and the varsity. Next show. Tom Gross and the variety. Cut. (laughs) Ed. Yes. Oh, he's probably drunk. Ed may have been in a little like that Scott (laughs) twist. Then Tom, we finally lost on the show, and Tom says after the after the taping goes, I knew we lost. When they gave us the tan lighting. <laughs> the tan lighting. That's what did it. No light. It was Kiss just like, death. just, yeah, everybody's pale, you know. Just try to make it real gloomy. <laughs> gloomy. You know, doom, there was a yeah. cloud over yeah, your the, head. Yeah. No disco. No. Now, what, year was, what year was that? This is like 86 or something okay. like that. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so you won a couple times on Star Search. I'm assuming that got you some notoriety. A little bit. We put what, a couple of local records out, you know, and... and you know, I had a few. Were you on the uh, Atlanta Home Cooking CD, or you remember that? That was that a came? that was a band before called Victoria. Okay, that was kind of in between. You know, right before right before Tom Gross. Yeah, Dad yeah. had nothing to do with that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was telling you. They had to be on there. He, be, he played on something on there. You're wondering why your band never made it. That last spot was a gimme. Right. Yeah, That's a pick it up. Yeah, just some, a gimme. Some little bit of daddy the... ball. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so you move on from Tom Gross. Uh, started getting into studio work at that point. Uh, started doing in Atlanta, in Atlanta, and in Nashville, back and forth. Um, and got a call from Rodney Mills, who Atlanta Rhythm Section, we Leonard Skinner. We've, we've interviewed him before. Okay, awesome, yeah, great guy. good dude. If you ever need to borrow a camera, <laughs> yeah. go to your that's why in the room where I edit video mm-hmm. next next door here at the Doc Hawkins got, studio, I've got the microphones. I've got a ton. It's it's old it's old movie movie cameras. Oh, okay, old He's little movie, remember. and I've yeah. got a ton of them because of uh, Rodney. Rodney inspired me to do that. Yeah, sorry to get off. The no, that's subject. okay. Go ahead. And I had no, Rodney Mills like uh, he was famous for like every Southern rock. Oh yeah, he he worked with Skinner and Turn It Up was. To him. Oh yeah, yeah. Telling when, Rodney to turn up on his headphones. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. turn it up. Sweet home he Alabama. He pressed Sweet record. Yeah, he on hit Sweet record home Alabama. Alabama. Yep. Yep. Legend. So he called me and said, "Hey, uh, I hear you're you're into the electronic drums. You got you got all the digital stuff, and I just did a record for uh, the Doobie Brothers out in L.A. using all that stuff, and I wanted experiment with the uh, 38 Special doing some of this stuff. So I did a couple tunes for him, and it went great." And I ended up doing the whole rest rest of the record. So, was that the which record would that have been? Bone Against Steel. Gotcha. Um, they had just had that huge hit. Uh, um, second chance. Second second chance. Yeah. Yeah. My heart needs a second chance. And was, this was the follow up record. Don Barnes was was he with them? No, a guy named yeah, Max right. Carl. Max Carl, and he lived yeah. in over off Medlock Bridge, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He sure did. And uh, Calvin's got a bit of a stalking issue of uh, people that are <laughs> from Southern Rock. He seems to know a lot of the, things. Um, Gary Rossington actually has a restraining order <laughs> on him since uh, 2010. We were this close to having Gary come in here until he right. figured out. We're still efforting him. That's, that's a different subject. <laughs> Anyway, back to 38. Here, if you want your gas on, yeah. you can let me jam with right. you. Right? Let me jam. Yeah. All these people's gas automatically gets turned off, and right. Cal just happens to be driving around. So that was the whole electronic kit. Uh, it was that, pretty much. It was actually a drum machine, a MPC uh, 3000, which had all my digital sounds sampled in it. And I ended up sequencing the whole, all the songs and put real cymbals because they didn't have the cymbals down yet. Mm-hmm. Hi-hat and all that stuff. And that, so, and that would kind of make the drums sound live. Right. If there's that little imperfection, human feel on the cymbals, it would give away the kick and snare and toms being programmed. Exactly. It, no matter how perfect they were programmed on a grid of time, right. if it's live cymbals, it made it sound a lot like a real drummer. Really brought it in, yeah. This guy's this late 80s, early 90s? This is we? early 90s. early 90s. Okay. Yeah. And... Si- did the record, six months go by, I get back in studio stuff and back and forth in Nashville and Atlanta, and um, they asked me to go on the road with them. And we didn't have any kids yet or anything, and Mary Beth said, you know, if you don't go out, and my wife, Mary Beth, if, if you don't go out and do this, you're always going to be wondering. You're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. Now's you're the time gonna, to do it. Now's yeah. the time to do it and get out of your system. 
And I had a couple, thirty-eight special. A couple awesome, years. Man. It was fun, yeah. man. It was awesome. And they, and I was afraid of being gone too long and all this stuff. But they would. Their touring schedule was pretty easy. It was two or three weeks at a time, home for a week, another two or three weeks, and you're home for a month. I mean, it wasn't three months. You know, back in the '80s when they had their really big heyday, they were they were gone for three, four months at a time without even coming mm-hmm. back. So. It was pretty easy. I just I just missed the studio stuff. That was my that's my my thing. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, and once they got done with touring for that record, Bone Against Steel, they said we're done. And I actually did get another call from them about six months after they officially stopped the tour. Said we're going to go back out and do a smaller club kind of tour. Mm-hmm. And I just said, man, I just got all my studio stuff re you know going again. So. I declined to do that, and um, actually, my drum tech ended up doing the gig for a while. So did uh, Don Barnes never? You never toured with him then. He never did come back. He came back halfway through my my time with them, like about a year into '38 for me. Don came back, so I got to you know hear him sing every night. Unreal. So so who was it that had the had the knack of sticking his foot in his mouth at the most inopportune times in '38? Uh, That L.J. LJ, is that that's the bass player, yeah. right? That just passed away just passed a couple away. days yeah. ago, and yeah, he was there the whole time that you were the whole on the time, road with him, right? What a great guy, man! Wow. I mean, um, he showed me what solid playing was all about on stage. Wow! You know, I, I kind of tend to be a little bit busy, and he would come, uh, you know, come up to me, man. Just just lay it down, solid. You know that mm. that they'll do the rest. Yeah, little. Yeah. Just let the song play out, and I learned a lot from him. So. But man, what a great guy! Um, he him. loved my family, my Midwestern in-laws up in up in Ohio. We would I'm, I sleep late, so <laughs> my father-in-law would come in from you know Cleveland, Canton area, and all that you know northeastern Ohio. Wherever we are, he would meet us up there. And the bus pulled in at seven or eight in the morning. LJ would get up and have breakfast with him. And wow. I'd still be sleeping on the bus. That's cool. <laughs> so, but he had an issue uh, of putting his foot in his mouth. Okay, what's the story there? Well, it was just more like. <laughs> yes, I mean, Steve's putting teeing this up, and well, for, we're talking for, about family. Okay, so for for example, <laughs> I'll just tell the one quick. So you guys were was it in Germany? Were you? Gonna, oh, uh, that was Don Barnes. Oh, that was Don. That Barnes. was Don okay, Barnes. So yeah. Don Barnes, they're they're in they're in line. They're in Germany or something. And you're like in getting some. He's at a kiosk. Yeah, just getting about, renting just, some bikes or something. Yeah, yeah. And he's something where he had like a cashier's there, and he's he's paying money, and it's different currency. So the person didn't give him the proper change, and this couple behind Don caught it and said, "Oh, you know, give him the right, give him the right change or whatever." In so, German. In Ger- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Telling him, yeah, give him the right change. So in other words, you turn around and say, "Oh, good eye, you know, good catch." He, <laughs> <laughs> he turned around and goes, "Hey, man, good eye." He pointed to his eye. And the guy looked like he'd been on Deadliest Catch. He had like, like he had this. His eye was hook. gone. It was gone, like in the scarf from the top of his scalp all the way down through his he just eye. Happened, he just happened to pick the phrase, "Hey, good eye," as he's turning around, and the, <laughs> and the guy, and the guy had, goes, "No, the guy, no, this was no, the good yeah, eye. This good yeah, eye. This was a good this eye." Is, yeah, yeah, there were so many stories one. like that of him. Just, and he was actually pointing to his eye. Right. <laughs> good eye, man, because he couldn't speak German. Had, right. Good eye. Oh. <laughs> So for the folks out there who've who've never toured with a rock band, much less a southern rock band, what's a day in the life like starting heading out? How's that going to go? Let's start the night before. After a show, you're on the bus midnight probably, getting something late night to eat. It's like a band bus and a yeah, crew a band bus. bus. There's thing. a separate band bus, separate crew bus. So it's just band guys hanging out, having fun. You know, nothing too crazy. Um, you just stay up a couple hours, watch some movies or whatever, hanging around talking, hit, hit the hay about two. The bus usually, it's usually, they try to, you know, time it out to where it's not usually more than a four to six hour drive to the next, you know, town. So we usually pull in anywhere from eight in the morning till, or six to eight in the morning. And you can't check into a hotel that time. So mm-hmm. you're just basically sleeping on the bus till they, they say, you know, the rooms are ready or ready or whatever. And then we. Maybe go to the room, take a nap, and then two o'clock, go to sound check, crew meal, and all that stuff, and do it again. Hurry up and wait. Days off, we're playing golf every time. Really? Oh, yeah. With, you know, Don Barnes played, Jeff Carlisi. Actually, Don didn't play, I'm sorry. Jeff Carlisi, Danny Chauncey, me, and Mark Rogers, the tour manager. 
So that, that was, was before that Joe was Carlisi the left the band. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Could you sleep on a bus with it rolling? No. Nope. I you slept like a up. baby when it stopped. There's nothing I, better. Idling. The generator idling. The generator. Yeah, that's, that's when I got my best sleep. is the best. You, that, yeah. Uh, Just that constant greatest. rumble. Yeah. I'd always get the room in the back of the bus. Because it uses it off the bunks. I'm six foot six. I couldn't really hit like a casket. Just lay in the lounge back yeah. there in the so floor. I'd, so I'd get the, I'd the, get the, the, back, the lounge. back lounge and yeah. had the bigger couch with the pullout. The pullout, yeah. Yeah, so I, I would always kind of lay diagonally across that so yeah. I could fit. And I could Even sleep. then he's laying in a fetal position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> y'all, had, uh, sorry. y'all had one drummer, just you. Or just one, yeah. Before uh, Back in the day, they had two they had going two. on. Yep. And back in those arena shows when they first started out, I remember. I saw them at uh, the Omni. I think Golden Earring opened for them. Did you did you play at the Omni, Scott, with 38? No, I played at uh, Lakewood. Lakewood, okay. Yeah, Very which cool. is before uh, up here at um, Verizon. Uh, Verizon in yeah, I played at one yeah. down south. Yeah. Played mm-hmm. play at Lakewood with Skinner. Did you play that Georgia Jam with ARS and Skinner? And... No, I didn't do that. But um, somehow or another, you got I hooked bet we up were with there, ARS. Chris. I'm sorry? But some somewhere along the line, you did get hooked up with ARS because yeah. you played on one of their albums. Played on one of the records later on, um, met Buddy Bowie, incredible songwriter, producer. Um, that was a great experience as well. Yeah, it was awesome. awesome. And another quick story, too. We're sitting in the green room at North Point one day. We're about to go on and play a church service, and Scotty's telling, he's telling me what he'd done a few days earlier. He's like, man, it's kind of a long story. It's pretty cool. Got a call from Brendan, and which means Brendan O'Brien, who's produced... Tons, I mean, Springsteen and mm-hmm. Matchbox Twenty, just tons of tons of stuff. And uh, you know, Steven Tyler kind of fell off a stage and hurt himself or whatever. Well, they had this time blocked off, so Joe Perry from Aerosmith's working on his solo record, and he just he came down to Atlanta's working with Brendan and and he had a lot of the drums, had a lot of the record done, but he had the drums programmed. And Brendan's like, we got to replace these drums. I know the guy, Scott. So Scott goes in, meets Joe Perry, plays on Joe Perry's solo record, plays the first song, <laughs> gets up. Joe Perry goes across the room, hugs him, and says, I haven't played with a real drummer in so long. <laughs> it was unreal. <laughs> Nicest guy you'd ever meet. I mean, just incredible. And his wife was there, too. Just two of the sweetest people you ever met in your life. Unreal. And um, it was one of those things where, you know, you go in and, you, you know, Brennan had sent me the track couple days before so i got to sit with it a little bit and knew it you know steve you've done this you know how to marinate it, it it's different yeah. in a studio i mean yeah a lot of live bands it's a different kind of thing but in studio session players you got to be quick you got right. when you hear a song you chart it out maybe or just learn or just you know, memorize it you or just whatever do it and you go in and you play it that's it you got to got to be you know, those guys Aerosmith, they're they're used to yeah you're not jamming you're yeah, used to no rehearsing jamming. a song all day long you know, mm-hmm. before they even cut it like rehearse the whole record before, yeah. for a month before you even go in the studio and cut it so and Steven Tyler, he's a drummer himself, so he kind of dictates to Joey Kramer what to play and, you know, singing the drum parts to him and everything. So it's just, it was just a totally different, so different thing. He loved it. Yeah, he just loved it. It was so, uh, so complimentary. Yeah, which and, explains why uh, Steven Tyler's scat sings so often. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> That's right. That That's explains right. it. But it's, I mean, just, I've been so blessed to know people like Brendan. I'm glad you brought Brendan up. I mean, Brendan and I and my brother were playing on our dock. We grew up in a little, uh, little, little 30-acre lake in Stone Mountain called Kenilworth Lake. And Brandon, his stepmom was my music teacher in elementary school. You know, he had a little band, what do they call it, music class or whatever. She was the the music teacher, Brendan's stepmom. And um, she got us all together with Brendan and my brother. And we'd play Led Zeppelin and Bad Company. We'd set up on the dock on a Saturday (laughs) afternoon. And people would come in their boats and stuff and come up, you know. Which is another story that doc we're going to get to before we finish. Uh-oh. That's going to be the last story about your dad and the neighbor. Oh gosh! <laughs> but, yeah, but with that, that, yeah, we're going to save that one. Hey, I'll, I'll throw it to commercial. Won't you do yeah. that? We're going to hear another word from our sponsors here. Our Let me go turn sponsor. the dial real quick. Yeah, you get ready right, on that. I'll go get it. Turn the dials and make a smile. <laughs> right. We're going to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back on the crossing where the music beats the memories. That was so good. Transforming the way you listen to sports. Yep, we've covered all of it. At least since 1978, 79, 80, 81, 82. 
Okay, you get the point. We've got it covered. The North Georgia Sports League. Go ahead. Like us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Keyword search, North Georgia Sports League. There's no gas wars in coming. We've got the best prices in town at $49.9 a gallon at Martyr Oil. Two locations to serve you. Martyr Oil number one at Highway 19306. On the south side at Marlar Oil number two, Highway 19 and 141. Cold Mountain Egg Farm is your one-stop shop for all your egg needs. We got grade A large, grade B large, and can't be too large, can you now? All right now, that's Cold Mountain Egg Farm. So y'all stop in, pick you up a flat or two. Cold Mountain Egg Farm, in the heart of Cold Mountain, right next to the ball field. And we are back with round three. This is the crossing where the music meets memories. Cold Mountain Cal, Cheeto Chris Cheatham, good doctor, producer Steve Thomason, and our very special guest on this episode, Mr. Scott Meter, a man of many stories. There's no doubt about that, Steve. Many, many stories. Scott and I actually played, um, we played quite a bit at North Point, like I said, for years, but we played a lot of a lot of places that kind of spurred out of that. We played with a worship leader a lot named uh, Todd Fields and you were with us when we played the Georgia Dome, right? Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> so that sounds but pretty... But there's some good sound in that Is that place, the women's right? conference thing? It Is was. That what it was, it was a, some kind of poorly advertised women's conference or something. And I remember it had to have been the lowest attended event in the history of the Georgia Dome. Had to have been. Remember the, the, they were out wandering around the streets of Atlanta giving away Giving tickets. away tickets the day of. And there couldn't have been more than two or 300 people in there in the Georgia Dome that's, you know, would hold 70, 80,000 people. And and they had, it was us and John Tesh. Oh, well, yeah. Remember him? John Tesh was on the stage playing piano and singing. And uh, and their keynote speaker was, was uh, oh, what's the actress? Uh, was married to Ted Turner. Jane, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Well, she wanted to meet, I remember she wanted to meet the band and nobody, we were always already politically so mad right. at her anyway we, we we went out the back back way of the dresser we didn't want to meet her <laughs> in, in, in the crowd <laughs> right couldn't hide, couldn't in, that hide in that crowd no there were, there were more people working there than attending at the dome that day Jane so we comes uh, out in her little spandex you know <laughs> little jazzercise right. thing wait where's the band <laughs> right <laughs> so oh, Scott gosh. with all your touring I'm curious to know you played a lot of venues rooms and stuff what's the best sounding room that you've played Ooh. in that you would comes I'm not to ready mind for that one um that's a great question that is and this is disregarding fractal curve <laughs> no, oh, right yeah which when you <laughs> while, while you're thinking i'll say sister hazel the rock band sister mm-hmm. hazel played uh one of our friends uh, who's on staff with north point was with a big band before and he knew the guys from sister hazel and got them to come play for the high school group at north point one sunday at their high school room called the attic and they said that and they'd done a vh1 storytellers and they said that room was the best room they ever played coolest vibe coolest sound everything it was kind of crazy i can tell you the so, worst one all right the georgia dome, georgia dome. <laughs> <laughs> that's right oh my gosh echo for days oh man I just remember just hitting the snare. That's before we had in-ear monitors and all that stuff. You're working off wedges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, just reverberating <laughs> around that days. dome with nobody in it. <laughs> it was <laughs> unreal. Really, sometimes the smaller the room, the better the sound. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. It's just, yeah. It sounds great in this room where we are about 10 by 8. Yeah. <laughs> not, that, not that I've ever played in a large room before. <laughs> So what do you think, Scott? What's what's one of your favorite rooms you play? Um, Maybe not even best sound. What's your, yeah, one of your favorite places it's to play? It's not the best sound and favorite because they kind of both go together. I mean, anyway, I, I, I I'd probably have to go back to um, you know thirty eight special days. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go That's back to I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna go back to one of those you know from. twenty thousand seater, um, probably Charlotte. Uh, it was a it was a twin bill with Leonard Skinner and we opened up for for Skinner, and it was just there's just something about when you have that many people singing those, you know, iconic hits, Back to yeah, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. just I mean, I just remember that show in particular. Um, the whole that whole little run we did with Skinner was just incredible. Um, they, they, you know, their their fans are great, and they're just so they just love the music and just give it back to you. Yeah, those two bands are kind of like family anyway. They yeah, all they just kind of intermingle. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not like the 
some of them literally. Somebody you're not literally playing family. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. not playing yeah. with and not really knowing they probably don't. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad to think so many of those guys are gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the early 90s, I mean, you know, the majority of the band was still there. Yeah. You know, other than the guy. You and know, LJ was, a, he was one of, the, he was like the founding bass player was right you know, when they first got together right. started doing their stuff mm-hmm. lj was a great cool. guy man. i know we talked about him but you know he, he was in the ham radios and That's all this I stuff got to knowing and, him i got back when all the internet first kind of got started i got in some kind of email group with uh, a guy that was in big with 38 special i was trying to think what his name was now he'll come to me but it, it, they all got the email and stuff well i kind of jumped in the loop and he would email me and he was telling me about ham radios and stuff just sounded like a great guy i never met him personally but uh, we corresponded through email several different Somehow times. Somehow Calvin started this internet chat room. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Just so happens. Is that code for internet stalk room? Or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's now on the dark web. It's called 38 Love. Hey, I mentioned my, my the drum tech that was, that was uh, my drum tech back in the days. Great guy, great drummer, Scott Hoffman. A little quick story about Scott. Yeah. He went on to be like a road manager for uh, Backstreet Boys and all just big name acts. And then um, he got the uh, James Taylor gig being drum tech for Steve Gadd, of all people. So Mm -hmm. Legendary drummer. About two years into working for Steve Gadd every night, Steve Gadd gets appendicitis attack, just like that. And... Steve gets, you know, emergency. He has to go. He has to go get surgery and the whole thing. Well, they've got a drummer booked for the next night or the for two nights. So, but they have one show that they can't fill or they got to cancel or whatever. So he says, I can do it. Yeah. He, James this. asked him, look, Scott, can you do the gig? He's, He's like, like, my music's easy. Dude, I've been standing behind. <laughs> start saying, I think I can play with him. Right. I can stay with I James. I can play with him. Yeah. I've been watching Gad for two years. Yeah. So <laughs> they do the show, and James, the whole night, is coming back to Scott between every song. Man, you're killing it. Great job. I love this. You're just you're just killing it. So they canceled the guy they were going to have <laughs> come wow, in for the— awesome. Yeah, and Scott got to do the whole time uh, that Gad was out. Is he still playing these days? Uh, who, Scott? Yeah, well, yeah, your buddy. The, the, yeah, he's still playing, but he's out. His main deal is is road managing and okay. tour yeah. managing and or, you know, drum teching. Gotcha. What Speaking about of leg- drummer. legendary drummers, for I, I turned 50 last year, a little over a year ago, and Scott here surprised me for my 50th birthday, took me to see Jeff Beck, and mm-hmm. Vinny Coyuto was out playing drums. And, and you'd seen Vinny before, right? Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> but it was that was pretty incredible. That was a and, clinic. And recently, I, I I I started that without even going this train of thought. But in the middle of that sentence, there it hit me. There was an event recently that was some kind of tribute to Vinny, right? That, that I had you, no business being a part that of. You that were one. a part of though, right? <laughs> so tell tell us a little bit about that. Uh, a guy named John Charlton, who's a great drummer here in town, he puts these events on that are mainly about the community just getting all musicians together as a community and um but he does these drum drum tributes at uh the vista room down in decatur and uh, i've done a couple of them um one for jeff beccaro and then uh there have been yeah there have been a steve gad one there's been a a uh gosh you know this they've done three or four different ones but uh the Vinny one i wasn't originally part of that and uh somebody canceled <laughs> but i'm Which, sure you killed it so i i said i'll do it if Diamond. i get to start because i don't want to follow anybody right 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 because there are some incredible players here some yeah. new guys that are just killing it um yeah so but it was it was i was that That's was really cool. cool to be part of that that's awesome. So, you know, Vinny did some stuff that was just kind of, kind of groove-oriented. So that's the stuff I did. So, But Vinny can kill you with the dazzle and all the licks, but he just he can lay it down like nobody. Because a lot of guys do one or the other, and he kind of marries the two together. Just That's why he's one of my favorite. Favorite Nashville studio? Uh, Omni. Omni Sound. Yep. Mm-hmm. Incredible drum sound there. Favorite L.A. studio? L.A.? Didn't you say you, you did some L.A. stuff in L.A.? I did. I Just only TV shows. Oh, that's right. <laughs> He's on the TV, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm just TV in LA. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I stick with the I stick with TV when I'm in LA. Don't want to get don't want to get too close to them. So man. you didn't go to the Capitol Tower. No. Okay. I got you. <laughs> so Scott, um, um, on your cell phone and all your travels and everybody that you've met, the most famous person I have in my cell phone is is Steve uh, Thompson by proxy. <laughs> Because of everybody. because of his connections to others, right? So he's right. he's it. Uh, Calvin's got a few people that are quite famous in his cell phone. Uh, Joe Bonzel, uh, Oak, Ridge Oak Ridge Boys, my man Joe. He knows, yeah, them. man. That's right. Um, you got a couple of others too, don't you? I can't. I'm not at liberty to say a lot of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to call them out. Most famous person in your cell phone right now? Uh, mm, in my cell phone. That you I'd could probably say. say Brendan O'Brien. So if we That's said, let's call Brendan up <laughs> and put him on right quick. Actually, right. here's, here's, here's the deal with Brendan. He can call me, but I can't call him. <laughs> <laughs> He's got your number blocked. It shows. He goes, yeah. if you if you ever get this, if you ever get my uh, my ID that says private number, you know it's me. That's uh, <laughs> I can't call him. That's like we got a we got a mutual good buddy, been my best friend for thirty years, Scotty, that plays with Luke Bryan. And we're in a text group last night, and and I said, "Some, what do you think Luke would think about that?" And he, I oh, probably, I said, "Well, you'd have to find somebody that has a cell number. I know you're in a band with it, but there ain't no way in the world you got Luke Bryan's cell number." <laughs> like, I yeah, would have said right. Phil Collins, but I don't have a cell number. Right? <laughs> I did meet him at the, at the Fox one night after after a ninety six rock show. So so you got, awesome. you got to meet him. You know, they all say never meet your heroes, and but, that's true. Really, unfortunately. Really, that stinks. Yeah, my my, you know my my biggest thing is I would love to meet Eddie Van Halen one day. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what who I, I've always that's looked what, up that to. That was one of my top three. I want to meet Eddie Van Halen, but I kind of don't want to meet Eddie Van Halen. Yep. You know, it's like what what happens if after geez thirty five years of just infatuated with right. a dude and looking up to him as a hero, and then you meet him, and he just ends up being a complete douchebag. That's what I've heard. Which is I, very possible. I had three people that I always wanted to meet. I, well, I wanted to meet Def Leppard, which right. I got to do a month ago, and it was better than my wife and I ever thought it would be. It was awesome. Got to meet Steve Lukather from Toto. See, he, he could have hooked you up with an invitation to meet Eddie because him and oh yeah, Steve they're Lukather big and Eddie are huge, huge buddies. Yeah, yeah. And and Lukather was he was incredible. I got to tell him how much an influence he had on me as a musician and a guitar player. And I never took lessons. I'm like, man, I learned to play listening to you play guitar you know yeah and he's like almost teared up and hugged me it was just the coolest experience you know um and but he i've always but i've always heard <laughs> <laughs> no the funny thing he said he told he told me he, he said i'm glad i met you now instead of back in the day because i told him i've been practicing that speech for 20 30 yeah, years he yeah, said well i'm yeah. glad i met you now when i'm sober you know <laughs> but i've heard that i don't want to meet eddie van halen so that, oh, that would ruin it for me too so God. One of these days, yeah. I plan on meeting one of my drum idols, Erlene Mandrell. Erlene Mandrell? <laughs> Mandrell sisters. A, played barefooted. That's right. Yeah, yeah. If you do that, you got you to whoop. Or she could beat the skins. Yeah. <laughs> but two, kinds of, <laughs> two kinds of podcasts. I was, with you, yeah. I was with you, man. Thanks, man. Right, yeah, there's two kinds of podcasts. This ain't one of them. We're going to leave on that final story about uh, Scott's dad down at the lake Christmas. Go ahead. We're gonna leave on something. Funny. Oh wait, I want to know about meeting Tinsley Ellis. You played with Tinsley Ellis. Yes, right? that was that was awesome. That was great, man. Tinsley is incredible. Got to play with Chuck. That was LaBelle. before that was before the whole diabetes and everything kind of took its toll on him. Yeah, I mean he's still and, alive, um, right? I mean Tinsley. Oh yeah, he is. Okay, he's still okay. out there he's doing playing, tours. Yeah, he's playing. In, yeah. He's playing in town this weekend, I think. If really? it wasn't, this, if it's not this weekend, it was the past weekend. I saw it on the sign. Yeah. You Go know ahead. who produced that record is Ricky Keller. Who has left us? You know, he left yeah. us about ten years ago. Was it? Was he had Southern Living at its finest studio down right. in Atlanta. He was a bass player. He played a lot of stuff with Colonel Bruce Hampton back in the day. Bill Hatcher, that. yeah, all those but guys. I've heard interviews. Oliver Wells, Oh I've heard interviews with him, and he just seems like just a great guy. Who uh, Tinsley Ellis? Uh, yes, he is. He's an awesome guy, man. He's somebody that if when you meet him, yeah, just as genuine. It's just awesome. He's great, but. uh yeah, Chuck was incredible on that record, man. He was the glue on that. He really was, man. It was, that was a good record. Sweet. So before we wrap up, real okay. quick, been married for how long? 
33 years. 33 years. Got one son, Matthew. 24 years old. Yep. Played baseball. Through, he was, Scott and Marybeth were baseball parents, always at the ball field. Uh, it started ball, when he was five ball. years old. It yep. started. Yep. Travel ball. And he was yep. a scholarship, mm. scholarship uh, shortstop at Mercer. Got a walk-off hit to yes. beat Georgia. Oh, the, wow. When he was a senior. Yep. Yeah. It was fun. And you and I went to UGA and saw him play once against mm-hmm. Georgia, and they beat him. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, great, great family. That's uh, thank you, Steve. Now, just real quick, I know that you've we've left out a bunch of famous people. People listen to this podcast, they would they would want to know if they're just if you're just rattling out, give us five or six names of records that you played on. I I know that you and John Carrozza and some people played. Didn't you play some stuff with uh, Boys to Men? Boys to Men yep. played on a Boys to Men record. Give it. Give us a few more um, that people would recognize that you've played see. on. I mentioned the Joe Perry thing, right? Mm-hmm. We, okay, yeah, we talked about that. Um, played on a an Elton John, the Aida soundtrack for a. It was a Broadway show that Tim Rice and Elton John did. That was nice. pretty cool. That was at Silent Sound. Um, Tony Braxton did some right, stuff with her. Right. A Christmas record. Forgot about that. Yeah. When it was on the Jay Leno Jay Leno show with her. She um, lives in town here too, or did mm-hmm. at one time? Did at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Earl Clue, jazz guitar, guy. Yeah, jazz yep. guitar player. That's awesome. So cool. Who would you like to play with that you haven't got to play with if you had to put it in a top one or two list? Let's go back to Genesis. There, there you go. go. I mean, I would just bookend it right here. Absolutely. I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. Chris has got him on his phone, I think. He can I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's working on it. I'm looking here. <laughs> While he's doing I, that. I, I tell you, I had fun reading some of the, the titles of some of these albums oh, you know, that, that you played on. <laughs> and the one that really got me. <laughs> Scott, we played and on it some got me, and, oh. it got, and it got me going on the rest of them, you know, and it just got worse the more I read them. Um, but the one that you um, that you played on that uh, nobody does me like Jesus does. And then why it doesn't say that? Yes, it does. I'm telling you, it does. It Let doesn't me find say. It. That. I swear to my soul, it does. Let me see here. Um, <laughs> but then it just it just gets even better, man. I'm, 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 I just keep I just keep getting. Oh, where is it? Oh, that girl's got it. <laughs> we that might on, be we, that record. Oh, it might be. We got and I, I play guitar. So oh, play. oh, oh, here it is. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Mm-hmm. <sighs> was, I'm going to do that? the Scotty Wilbanks right. deflate on that one. <laughs> and then after yeah. that. Oh, man. I, I don't want to go on with this because oh, it's boy. too good. It's too good. <laughs> but you played on a lot of Christian albums, a lot of jazz. A lot of jazz stuff, yep. too. A lot of Christian stuff. And that's what I primarily did up new in Nashville, song. You played too. with New Song mm-hmm. on one of their albums. Um, I didn't really crack the country thing up there. I was more into the the contemporary Christian stuff mm-hmm. up in Nashville. That's Never got the offer to go on tour with any of those contemporary Christian uh, Just some one-offs here and there did, you know, but... We played, we played once, I think it was in Macon, for like a youth evangelism conference with Todd Fields once, and... We were opening for Casting Crowns, and they were at their heyday, you yeah. know. And I remember we did our sound check, and Casting Crowns they came in to do their sound check. And you know, sometimes there's weirdness between bands about you know who's going to use whose gear, that kind of stuff. They were really cool, and they they came in. They were al- almost like fans. They're like, man, you guys are the guys that play on our records. We're just like the road band, you know. And they were actually the <laughs> the band members of Casting and Crowns. Played so. on my record. Yeah, right, right. You may have. That's right. <laughs> Pretty cool. So with that, one more story from your dad. <laughs> the lake's in the backyard. Right, it's Christmas time. I mentioned time. that we grew up on a little lake, mm-hmm. Kenilworth Lake in Stone Mountain. Everybody had docks that circled the lake. And at Christmas, everybody put these Christmas trees out in the end of the dock. And it reflected off the lake at night. Real pretty, right? Mm-hmm. So our next door neighbor, the McDaniels, first name was Rosser. Rosser McDaniel. Straight out of a movie. He was sort of the he was the Christmas tree mayor. He was the he made sure everybody had to go through him. Had to go through him. HOA of Christmas. What time you turn your lights on? You know, no floodlights in the backyard. Any of that stuff going on. So one night, my parents left their floodlight on. You know, the the Christmas tree light was on, but my our floodlight was on. So got a little call from Rosser. 
So my dad answers the phone. Hello? Hey, Dick, it's Rosser. Oh, hey, Rosser. Listen, why is Helen Keller's leg wet? <laughs> I don't know, Rosser. Why? Because a dog is blind, too. Listen, can you turn your light out? <laughs> <laughs> so he broke the icebreaker ice with, with a joke. <laughs> Classic. A band no. of diplomacy. Just right. Truly. You know, I mean, you know, was, he yeah. really is. It's an icebreaker. Yeah. 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 Got a <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this hey, episode. Hey, thank you guys for having yeah, me, man. It was a blast. Thank you. We really enjoyed awesome. it. Awesome. If y'all want to subscribe to the outtakes for this show, we will have those with a secret code that you'll have to purchase to get this downloaded. <laughs> you got to present an ID. Well worth your price of admission for that, I can tell you that. <laughs> many, many more stories where those came from, too. Yeah, but man. until next time, this is Cold Mountain Cow along with Brother Chris Cheeto Cheatham and the good doctor producer Steve Thomason bidding you a fond adieu from the crossing where the music meets the memories. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, guys. Thanks, buddy. Blast. The Crossing, where music meets memories, is recorded at Due South Productions high atop the Doc Holcomb Building in downtown Coal Mountain and is recorded and mixed by Steve Thomason and hosted by Chris Cheatham and Coal Mountain Cal Hurd. Theme music written, performed, and recorded by Wendell Cox. The Crossing is a production of Roadhog Studios and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Due South Productions or at least a text message from Cal or Chris. That'll do too. All rights reserved. All right, we'll catch you next time on The Crossing.